You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Shukwaram maintains its focus on Ukrainian targets, Kilnet's DDoS and dubious proof of work, Iron Tiger's supply chain campaign, TikTok and national security. Dinah Davis from Arctic Wolf shares insights on dark utilities. Rick Howard digs into identity management and an arrest in the case of the Tornado Cash Crypto Mixer. The Cyberwire Studios at Data Tribe. I'm Dave Bittner with your Cyberwire summary for Monday, August 15th, 2022. The Symantec Threat Hunter team, part of Broadcom Software, this morning released a report on the activities of Shuckworm, a Russian state threat actor. The payload in its most recent operation, which Symantec has been tracking since the 15th of July, is an information stealer. The researchers describe the infection vector, saying, The first suspicious activity Symantec saw on victim systems was a self-extracting 7-zip file, which was downloaded via the system's default browser. Subsequently, mshta.exe downloaded an XML file, which was likely masquerading as an HTML application file. These files were downloaded from a domain known to be associated with shuckworm activity. The malicious domain has been seen before, appearing as it did in an email that pretended to be from the Security Service of Ukraine and whose fishbait was, according to CERT UA, a subject line containing intelligence bulletin. A Trend Micro report observes... This being the case, it is most likely the 7-zip file seen on victim networks in the campaign observed by Symantec was delivered to victims via email. Also known as Gameradon, Armegadon, Actinium, or Primitive Bear, Bleeping Computer last November reported that Ukraine's SSU had connected the group Symantec calls Shuckworm with a unit of Russia's FSB operating from Crimea, the Symantec Threat Hunter team's overall picture of Shuckworm sees it as making up in persistence what it lacks in tactical sophistication. They say, as the Russian invasion of Ukraine approaches the six month mark, Shuckworm's longtime focus on the country appears to be continuing unabated. 
that this recent activity continues even after CERT UA documented it shows that fear of exposure does not deter the group from its activities. While Shuckworm is not necessarily the most tactically sophisticated espionage group, it compensates for this in its focus and persistence in relentlessly targeting Ukrainian organizations. The report includes a list of indicators of compromise. And what's your secret, Shuckworm? Well, like Crazy Eddie's, it seems to be volume. Tagish Spiegel reports that websites belonging to Latvia's parliament came under a distributed denial-of-service attack last Thursday. Killnet claimed responsibility, and the nuisance-level attack is certainly directed in the nominally hacktivist Russian front group's wheelhouse. The attack, which largely fizzled, was a comment on Latvia's vote to designate Russia a terrorist state for its aggression and war crimes in Ukraine. Kilnet's own designation of Lockheed Martin as a terrorist organization has been followed by the group's claims that the American manufacturer of HIMARS rocket artillery systems has been successfully subjected to a ransomware attack that exfiltrated data on company personnel. Kilnet has published a video they say proves they've got the data, but Security Week Friday reported continuing assessments, most recently by Searchlight Security, that this is an empty claim. They say, cross-referencing a sample of the data, it does appear that they are or were genuine Lockheed employees. However, that does not necessarily confirm that the company was breached. For example, this could be a rehash of old or open-source data in an attempt to undermine the organization and intimidate its employees. So, Killnet seems to be shining on, at least as far as Lockheed Martin is concerned. It's really kind of sad— If you can't trust a Russian intelligence front group, who can you trust nowadays? Trend Micro reported Friday that Iron Tiger, a state-run threat actor associated with China and also known as APT-27, Emissary Panda, Bronze Union, and Lucky Mouse, has compromised the Mimi chat app with a view to attacking macOS systems, the first time that this particular targeting has been used by the group. The researchers say, We noticed that a chat application named Mimi retrieved the R-Shell executable, an app we came across recently while investigating threat actor Earth Berberoka. We noticed Iron Tiger controlling the servers hosting the app installers of Mimi, suggesting a supply chain attack. Further investigations showed that Mimi chat installers have been compromised to download and install Hyperbro samples for the Windows platform, and R shell samples for the macOS platform. While this was not the first time the technique was used, this latest development shows Iron Tiger's interest in compromising victims using the three major platforms, Windows, Linux, and macOS. Mimi, which according to Trend Micro means secret, is designed for Chinese users who represent the greater part of its clientele. Trend Micro found in the course of its investigation that In this instance, Iron Tiger compromised the server hosting the legitimate installers for this chat application for a supply chain attack. The targets of the campaign were in Taiwan and the Philippines. TikTok has, since the previous U.S. administration, been regarded in Washington as a potential security threat. It still is, and if anything, the New York Times reports, concerns about the social medium are growing, The issue is the app's potential for sharing data with Chinese intelligence services. The Times writes, The bipartisan scrutiny of TikTok, 
effectively at its most intense since Mr. Trump tried to force the app's sale to an American buyer in 2020, is mounting as the platform grows ever more popular. With more than one billion users, TikTok has become a prime engine for cultural phenomena, like the scores of young people who posted last month about dressing in suits to see the latest Minions movie. Today, 67% of 13- to 17-year-olds in the United States use the app, according to a report last week from the Pew Research Center. For its part, TikTok says its data collection is modest, certainly nothing like the collection done by competing social media, but congressional leaders in both parties aren't mollified. The present U.S. administration sees the problem with TikTok as an instance of a larger problem with social media, and it would seek to address the more comprehensive issue as opposed to that presented by a single platform. There's a growing bipartisan sense in Congress, however, that the administration is moving too slowly on the matter. The deliberate pace of regulation is in part driven by U.S. court decisions, which ruled against President Trump's executive orders restricting TikTok and another Chinese-owned app, WeChat. President Biden accordingly pulled back both directives. CSO polled security experts and came up with three ways data collected by TikTok could be put to malign use by Chinese intelligence services. First, it could be used to prepare target profiles of individual users. Second, it could be used to develop more effective spear phishing campaigns, and those could easily serve intellectual property theft. Finally, the data could be used for more precisely focused influence operations, delivered with a rifle-shot accuracy marketers could only envy. And finally, police in the Netherlands have announced that they've made an arrest in connection with concealing criminal financial flows and facilitating money laundering through the mixing of cryptocurrencies through the decentralized Ethereum mixing service Tornado Cash. The specific issue seems to involve handling funds stolen on behalf of Pyongyang. The Netherlands Financial Advanced Cyber Team, that is, FACT, suspects that Tornado Cash has been used to conceal large-scale criminal money flows, including from online thefts of cryptocurrencies, so-called crypto hacks and scams. These included funds stolen through hacks by a group believed to be associated with North Korea. Whatever it was up to, Tornado Cash has passed a lot of altcoin through its channels. Since the service opened in 2019, Fact says the service has since achieved a turnover of at least $7 billion, at least a billion dollars worth of which was of criminal origin. The arrest came Wednesday, two days after the U.S. placed Tornado Cash on a list of sanctioned entities. The Netherlands authorities didn't identify the person arrested beyond calling him a 29-year-old man in Amsterdam, but according to The Block, the 29-year-old guy's wife has identified him as Alexei Pertsev. She's standing by her man, saying she's shocked at the arrest and is consulting with attorneys. My husband didn't do anything illegal, she said. Presumably, Mr. Pertsev will soon enough have his day in court. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. 
Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And it is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show Rick Howard. He is the CyberWire's Chief Security Officer and also our Chief Analyst. Rick, always a pleasure. Hey, Dave. So I have noticed a pattern in your CSO perspective episodes of late. Uh, it seems to me, <laughs> well, as, as a regular listener, dare I say a fanboy of the show, uh, it seems to me that you are spending a lot of time talking about identity um, and specifically how we manage identity in our own environments, both at home and at work. Am I right that this seems to be a pattern, a, a bit of a, an area of focus for you, or, or am I just uh, seeing things? Oh, no, Dave, you're on to me, okay? It looks <laughs> like I've been found out. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what I've been slowly realizing over these past couple of years is that most of us consider that orchestrating the security stack for our own digital environments and all that entails, you know, from people, processing, technology, that's the task that we spend the most of the time with, you know, and as well we should. Hmm. But if we have any hope of deploying some kind of zero trust program, which you know I'm a big advocate for, Mm. Um, but before you even start, you have to get a robust identity and access management system in place because if you don't know who is connecting to your material systems or what devices or what applications are, you can't build any zero-trust rules to limit access. You can't create an identity governance and administration committee or IGA, as the cool kids say, unless you know <laughs> those things, right? So, yeah. but. But once you do, you can then start to tackle one of the most complex problems in identity and access management, which is privileged identity management, or PIM. You know, and that's the one thing about this identity management stuff. It's chock full of acronyms. But yeah. how, do you, how do you manage the employee accounts, their devices, and any critical software apps that require some sort of elevated privilege to run in your environments, but to reduce the potential impact if they are hacked? So hmm. for this week's CSO Perspectives episode, over on the subscription side on the CyberWire network, we're talking about PIM and the things you should consider as you're setting up your program. 
All right. Well, that is over on the pro side. Uh, on the free side for CSO Perspectives Public, uh, you are rolling out the idea of adversary playbooks. Yeah, this is one of my pet peeves days for the cybersecurity industry in that many of us don't really know what it means when you read an article in the press that says something like, Emissary Panda breached networks via Zoho and Exchange servers. You know, mm. some people think that Emissary Panda is a group of Chinese nation-state actors, and that might be the case. But in the commercial world where we don't have access to classified government intelligence, Emissary Panda is a colorful name that we attach to observable hacker attack sequences using the MITRE ATT&CK framework to standardize on the operational language. So in other words, we've seen these sequences in the wild. I call these things adversary playbooks, and we study them so that we can insert prevention and detection controls into our already deployed security stack. So in this CSO Perspectives public episode, we talk about how to do that in your own organizations. All right. Well, before I let you go, uh, what is the word of the week on your Word Notes podcast? This week's word is homograph phishing, and I kind of like just saying that out loud. All right, so it's just the uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's the Rolls technique tripping where tripping off the tongue. It, yes, it does. Or right, it should be a musical on Broadway any day now. I'm sure. <laughs> So it's that technique where hackers use similar-looking letters in a URL, like the number zero and the letter O, to trick you into clicking that bad link. And we even tie this idea back to the Mission Impossible TV and movie franchise. So how great is that? All right. We'll look forward to all of it. Uh, Rick Howard is the CyberWire's chief security officer, our chief analyst. But more important than any of that, he is the host of the CSO Perspectives podcast. You can find out all about that on our website, thecyberwire.com. Rick, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Dinah Davis. She is the VP of R&D Operations at Arctic Wolf. Dinah, it is always great to welcome you back to the show. Uh, I know there is some uh, research that you wanted to bring our attention to today. Can you uh, share us what caught your eye? Yeah, it was this um, interesting article about a ransomware-as-a-service group called Dark Utilities. And Mm. they've gone, like, full-on marketing, like they're a completely legit business. Um, They've got this, like, beautiful website and, you know, they've got lines like, simple injection, it's very easy to use, exe the file or the command on the server, and here we go. 
Or like uh, persistence. You don't need to start the script at every restart. It will start automatically. You know, like just just making <laughs> sure it's going to work really well for them. Right. Or like their little crypto mining bit here. You can use all your connected servers for mining XMR by putting your wallet in the config. So like just like really trying to sell it. Like this is so easy. This is so great. Right. Um, so this this is a bit of a problem. <laughs> How much would you expect to pay for this malware? Don't answer because there's more. Right. And you know what? How much you would pay? Hmm. 10 euros. Hmm. 10 euros for access to this. That's it. So they're like, that's kind of crazy, right? Um, they're, they're going, they're lowballing the market, right? Um, and, and the research, the article said that as of August 4th, the platform had over 3,000 users. So that's $30,000 right there right, for, for right. this group, right? We should point out that uh, this research comes from the folks over at Cisco Talos, uh, who always do good work over there. What other stuff caught your eye here? Yeah, so it offers remote system access and DDoS capabilities, as well as uh, crypto mining. Um, and they also have very like active Discord and Telegram communities. So they've got, you know, help and, and, and all of that. And it supports Windows, Linux, and Python-based tools. So mm. that means you can get into multiple architectures. Uh, so it, it's very interesting. I mean, the good news is here, researchers can get accounts too, which is obviously what, what they've done to, to check it out. I don't think any of the tools are that crazy. Like these are tools that, you know, have been around, but they're just offering them with instructions and support in such a way that it's going to make it easy for kind of like anybody to try and go at this. Mm-hmm. So really lowering the bar here on the, the level of uh, technical sophistication you have to get into this business. Yes, that's that's exactly it, right? So you don't need to be very savvy to be able to start using this because they have all the support that comes with it. Are there any recommendations here for organizations to protect themselves against this sort of thing? Yeah, so they've researchers have already started to recognize the the uh, file signatures. So you know, making sure all of your security stuff is up to date, making sure all your systems are up to date so that you are not vulnerable. Again, it just goes back to like the same things we say all the time, right? Make sure all of your systems are up to date. Do your vulnerability patching. Use multi-factor authentication so that, you know, it's harder for people to get in and train your employees, right? Make sure they've done awareness training, that they're aware of the things that they need to do. Yeah. All right. Well, it's interesting for sure. Again, uh, this is from the folks over at Cisco Talos, and, and uh, this utility is called Dark Utilities. Dinah Davis, thanks for joining us. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, where I contribute to a regular segment called Security Ha. Huh? I join Jason and Brian on their show for a lively discussion of the latest security news every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. 
Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Haru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Liz Irvin, Rachel Gelfin, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.